Well, we are two-thirds of the way through 21 days of prayer and fasting. You guys are doing great one week to go. Next week's gatherings are going to be worship gatherings, extended time of worship, and we're going to take communion together. Online, you can get your elements ready. Uh, If you're going to join us online, if you're in person at one of our locations, uh, we'll be taking communion in the auditoriums. And uh, your kids will be here, so it'll be a great time for your kids to engage in that extended time of worship. So last week, last week, if you remember, Pastor Jason talked about the pruning process and how in the pruning process, that is how you get to producing fruit. We have to go through a painful process, though, sometimes to get the peaceful fruit. Today, we're going to talk about the fruit. And we're going to start with that verse that you just saw up on the screen that Pastor Jason described last week as one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Even referenced, it's, it's John chapter 6, verse 66, 666. Because it's just the place that the devil would want us. The devil, Satan, would want us to fall away, to leave, to disengage, to disconnect. So let's read these verses, but I want you to get a real picture of what's going on here. Jesus has just told many disciples, not just the 12 that we know. He's just told many disciples, hey, following me, it's going to be hard. There are going to be some hard things. And these disciples began to leave. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You can almost picture Jesus in this moment. Yeah, he's got the 12 right over here, but, but he sees this throng of, of followers just walking away. They're grumbling. They're complaining. They're saying, this is hard. It's hot. It's the desert. I don't want to do the things that Jesus wants me to do. And in that moment, have you ever thought about what Jesus is thinking? See, I don't think he's, he's watching them walk off into the distance. You'll be sorry. I don't think he's saying that. I think Jesus is heartbroken. I think Jesus sees people disconnecting from him, and it breaks his heart. And I get that. We get that as pastors. When, when someone leaves and disconnects, not just the church, but when somebody disconnects from Jesus, it is heartbreaking. And that's when Jesus looks at the 12 disciples and says, you out of here too? Let's read this. Jesus says, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, Jesus knew that there would be some who would fall away, who would say, hey, this is, this is too hard. And that's why he asked the question of the disciples, are, are you out of here as well? But Peter, 
Peter's like, where else are we going to go? Huh? Probably didn't say it that way. So we've got to ask ourselves that question too. Where else are we going to go? Where else would we go other than Jesus? So let's think about all the places we've gone other than Jesus. Money, relationships, religions, ideologies, political parties, hobbies, addictions. What happens when we go there? They all disappoint. I know. I've gone to every one of them. They have all disappointed. But then we've got to remember things like in the Welcome to the Wrestle series when I shared wrestling with our identity, who we are. And we've got to stay connected to who we are because we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Jesus brought us out of the darkness, out of our darkness and into his marvelous light. That's who we want to stay connected to. Amen? You can have some fun here. So where else are we going to go? So if you hear anything today, I want you to hear, don't go anywhere else. Stay connected to Jesus. Don't walk away from Jesus. Don't disconnect from Jesus. Why? Because if you walk away, if you walk away now, you'll miss out on the peaceful fruit. If you walk away from the painful process of pruning, you'll miss out on the peaceful fruit. And we don't want that. Nobody wants that. So here's another question. When do we generally walk away? I'll tell you, exactly. That's when I walk away. I walk away when it's hard. I can think of many times in my life I have walked away when it was hard because I didn't want to go through the painful process. This fast, it's hard. I would rather eat. I'll fess up. Yeah, food would be better. But if I, if I give up now, two weeks in, I might not get the peaceful fruit because I want to hear what God has to say. So I've been spending time with the king. Actually, I've been spending time with two kings, the king of kings and smoothie king. <laughs> and smoothie king, while delicious, is not my source of life. But the king of kings, the king of kings has been speaking to me. And I'll just share a little glimpse of what I'm hearing. And I think this is probably the closest I've, I've heard in a fast since I fasted in 2007. And it was the first time and I had just trusted in Jesus. I had no idea what I was doing. I did a silence and solitude and food fast. Yeah, I know. But 48 hours into that, silence became so loud and I began to pray, Lord, I just want to hear from you. I remember praying, Lord, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. And he said, this is all mine. Why are you afraid? You're mine too. And I believe in this fast He's saying, hey, go back to 2007 and remember, I got this. 
your mind to. So I want to hear that. I don't want to give up. Because life is hard. And here's a shocker. The life roller coaster didn't just start in March of 2020. Life has always been difficult. Life's hard. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Addiction is hard. COVID has been hard. Isolation has been hard. Death has been hard. Someone in a very difficult season in my life about 11 years ago, it was a season that was hard. It was a season that was difficult. It was a season that was a time of waiting. Pulled me into him and said from Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary of doing good. For in the end, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. That verse has sustained me through many a difficult time. And I hope it sustains you. And like Pastor Jason said last week, it would be easy to walk away like some of the disciples did. It would be easy to walk away because, as Pastor Jason mentioned, we have to RSVP to come to a gathering. My encouragement would be, don't walk away because of that. Don't go somewhere else that doesn't have RSVP because it's easier. Don't, don't leave because we haven't had Rev Kids gatherings for a couple of weeks. You know, maybe, maybe that is a time to say, all right, Maybe I can expose my kids to big church. Maybe this is a great time. And your kids have been great in big church, by the way. And I hope they've enjoyed that. But we want them back in Rev Kids so they can learn about Jesus on their level. So that's why we need team members. So maybe instead of going to a church that, that has kids, maybe in these couple of weeks you say, hey, how, maybe I can press in and join a serving team. Maybe I can join the Rev Kids team and be a part of that solution. These are encouragements. These are not admonishments. I would encourage you not to isolate because it's difficult to do a Zoom call. Don't isolate from your small group because you don't like Zoom. Some groups are meeting in person. Some groups are still on Zoom. We totally get that. If you can't go out, we understand that. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't, don't miss out because you don't like Zoom. I, I don't know anybody that adores Zoom. <laughs> I, I'm on a lot of Zoom calls. But there have been benefits to Zoom calls. We had my dad's celebration of life service on Zoom because we couldn't get people to fly to California and have a traditional celebration of life service. So we got 60 people together from all over the country, relatives that I haven't seen in decades together, and it was magnificent. There was so much connection and love that we never would have had. And we tried to do it the normal way. The only people that love Zoom are the people that invested in Zoom back in March of 2020. They're, they're fans of Zoom. But maybe, maybe that Zoom small group gathering that you said, ah, I don't like Zoom. Hear this. Maybe that wasn't for you. 
Maybe that was for somebody else on that call. Maybe you were supposed to be there to encourage them. So don't miss out for you, but also don't miss out for the connection that you may have with somebody else. Jesus is the only answer. These words are saying, don't fall away. That's why Peter says, where are we going to go? You, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. And I love how he says that. He says, you, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. No one else has the words of eternal life. Not somebody has them. Not a few people have them. Not a pope, not a president, not a professional football player. But you, the Prince of Peace, you have the words of eternal life. So you are the one we're going to hang out with. And he says, we will abide in your word, Jesus, because we have come to know him. And that word know is not to have just simply knowledge of. That word know is to be relational to. So they know Jesus because they're in relationship with Jesus. They hang out with Jesus. They are with Jesus, just like you might be with your spouse. When I'm with my wife and I love spending time with my wife, I get to know her relationally. I am with her. I am abiding in her. I am connected to her. And that's that whole abide thing. It's connecting with Jesus. And that leads to Jesus' words at the beginning of John chapter 15, which are amazing because back in the garden, God said to Adam and Eve, hey, I'm going to bring you nourishment from all of these trees, and I want you then to go nourish others. So this is a picture of what God is doing with us to connect us to Jesus and ultimately connect us to him. Verse one, Jesus says, I am. This is another time, and it's actually the last time that Jesus will will reference that he is God. And he's using the same words that God the Father used in the Old Testament. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Another translation would say the gardener. Every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he, our father, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he, our father, prunes that it may bear more fruit. So Jesus is the vine, we are the branch, and what part of the vine, check this out, what part of the vine bears fruit? The branch. The branch. And what is the only way that fruit grows? You ready for this? stays connected to the vine. Fruit doesn't grow unless it's connected to the vine. Fruit isn't delicious unless it is connected to the vine. Fruit isn't sweet unless it is connected to the vine. You go apple picking up in Elijah. You get to that tree. What do you want? That big, beautiful, awesome apple that is connected to the tree, or do you want the one that fell two weeks earlier and is covered in yellow jackets? Got to stay connected. 
Branches have no life apart from the vine. They need to stay connected because the source, all of the energy, the source comes to the branches from the vine. So if Jesus is the source, the Holy Spirit is that connector to us, the branches. So God is the father. He's the vine dresser. He's the gardener. He's tending to the gardener and the garden. And Jesus tells us that as the gardener, God does two things. It's really important. Branches that don't bear fruit, he takes away, cuts them off. But branches that do bear fruit, he prunes back that they might bear more fruit. God wants more fruit. Great example of that right now are crepe myrtles. You know what crepe myrtle trees are? What do they look like right now? (laughs) That's it. That's my impression. It's also my impression of a caribou. But it's... (laughs) Crepe myrtles, they're they're ugly. (laughs) It, It looks like somebody came with a chainsaw and killed them. But what happens in April and in May? They bloom. They grow. They become twice the size they are now. And they're beautiful. They're all different colors. And you're driving along East Cherokee or, or a highway up in Pickens County, and you're going, man, those are beautiful crepe myrtles. A couple of months ago, I thought they were dead Because God takes things that are growing, prunes them back so they grow some more. But they have to stay connected. So God's the vine dresser. He wants fruit. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches off the life of the Holy Spirit, off the life of Jesus. So go back to the list of things from earlier. If we're trying to hang on to the vine of money or the vine of relationships or the vine of of ideologies or the vines of religions or the vines of, of political parties, we've got no shot at producing fruit because there's no real life in those. We have to be in relationship with Jesus. Why is that? Let's read John chapter 15, verses 8 through 11. Jesus says, by this, my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. It's very wordy, so let's explain. Here's another question. How much fruit were you producing before you knew Jesus? The answer is None. Say it. None. No fruit. So if you didn't know Jesus and you weren't producing fruit, and that proved that you were not a follower of Jesus, what do you think it proves when you do know Jesus and there is fruit? It proves that you are a 
follower of Jesus, that you are a disciple. So producing fruit proves we are his disciples. That's what these verses are saying. And it also says that by this, my father is glorified. Now, this is huge. My father is glorified by what? What do you think it is that that glorifies the father? So let's put it in the context of this season of prayer and fasting. You may be praying a lot. You may be praying so much, you've worn out the the carpet in in your war room. Does that glorify God? Well, it helps you stay connected to God. Maybe you're fasting. Maybe you're thinking, man, I am fasting like a maniac. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but, but does that glorify God? No, it, it helps, helps you stay connected to God. The spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting and journaling and silence and solitude, those are all wonderful things. But they are to help keep our relationship with God, to help keep us connected, spending time with Jesus, just like we would spend time with a family member by by doing things that that we enjoy doing. No, what, what glorifies God is really simple. Is there evidence of Jesus in our lives? Is there evidence of Jesus in our lives? Through the fruit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, being connected to Jesus, is there evidence that we are in relationship with Jesus? Would your neighbors look at you and say, there's a follower of Jesus? If your neighbors don't know Jesus and have no context of God, would they look at you and say, I don't know what it is about them, but I like them. I don't know what it is about them, but they're attractive. I don't know what it is about them, but I want some of that. Let me put it a different way. If you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be witnesses lining up with evidence to say they are full of the Spirit? They produce love and patience and kindness. All of the fruits that you see in Galatians. Because it's about producing love. Would there be the evidence of love to convict you of being a Christian? If you're at the trial, does the love fit? Thank you for getting that. That was off the top of my head. I didn't know if anybody, but you guys are great. The fruit of the believer is love. And it's an overflow of Jesus loving us. And how did Jesus love us? We're going to get to this when we get to John chapter 3, 316. Probably the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whomever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And what did Jesus do. Jesus died on a cross to prove his love, forgiving us of our sin and paying the penalty that we deserve. Because this says we deserve death. We deserve eternal separation from God because of our sin. Jesus loves us. 
so much. So when we love others, it is an overflow of that love. It's the result of being connected to the vine. And being connected to the vine and showing that expression of love to others gives the gardener the glory. Gives God the Father the glory. On the flip side, no fruit, no glory. Not only does no fruit produce something, it produces eternal separation from God. Without fruit, God says, hey, I'm going to take those branches and they're going to burn. We heard about that last week. But it also robs God of the glory. And ultimately, it is about giving God glory. Look at verse 8. God's after so much more that you bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit. And that word bear is a present active subjunctive. And right at this time, you're thinking two things. Number one, he got that from Pastor Jason. And number two, David has no idea what that means. <laughs> well, you're, you're half right. You're half right. Uh, I did get it from Pastor Jason. Uh, but in God's kindness, 25 years before I was bearing any fruit, I was a Latin and Greek major in college. That's crazy. 25 years before I knew Jesus, before I ever heard of Jesus, I was majoring in Latin and Greek. Don't be impressed. <laughs> it did not go well. <laughs> but the point is, I know what keep on bearing means. It means it's a continuation. It's a progression. The present active subjunctive gives us a progression. Keep on doing something. Keep on bearing fruit. Remember last year during Abide, Pastor Jason said, before Jesus we were producing no fruit. Then we trust in Jesus, fruit. Then we're abiding in Jesus, more fruit. And then we are multiplying that. We're taking the seeds of what have been planted in us and planting them in others, much fruit. And he even acted it out. He kept saying this, no fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Remember that? Just say yes. <laughs> then Jesus connects Obeying to abiding. And this is remarkable. If you keep my commandments, i.e. if you obey, you will abide in my love just as I, Jesus, have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Why is that so remarkable? I would love to do an entire sermon just on that. It's so remarkable because who is the most fruit-bearing person ever? All right, let's try that again. <laughs> Who's the most fruit-bearing person ever? Jesus. Jesus, yes. Nobody has borne more fruit than Jesus. Truett Cathy, not even close. Chip and Joanna Gaines, not even close. It's Jesus and how did Jesus produce fruit? He remained connected to the Father. He abided in the Father. He obeyed the Father. So if Jesus has to stay connected in order to bear fruit, what does that say about us? We've got to stay connected. 
We have to stay connected to the vine. We have to obey because obeying is abiding. That's a point on your screen. Obeying is abiding. Because if we're not obeying Jesus, we're not abiding in Jesus. When we're doing the difficult things that Jesus asks us to do, we're obeying him, but we're also abiding in him and we're staying connected. Remember, if we're not connected to him, we've got no shot. Then Jesus says, these things I have spoken so my joy may be in you and your joy full. Yahtzee. (laughs) That's, That's the deal right there. This is it. The key to it all is our joy is connected to abiding, which is obeying. I know that's weird. Our joy comes from obeying. God isn't saying, hey, follow me, follow my commandments, obey my commandments, and it's going to be miserable for you. Why why would he want that for us? No, God loves you. So much so, he sent Jesus to die on your behalf. He crushed his son for you. So why would he ask you to do things that are going to make you miserable? No, he asks you to obey his commandments to bring you joy. My my wife reminded me one time, because we were talking about all of the things that, that we go after, you know, that list of things, money, relationships, ideologies, political parties, sports teams. We go after all these things that don't bring us joy. And she said, they bring us joy for a second, for a moment. But then she said this, temporary joy never lasts. I know, wow. <laughs> that, I, I, wrote, I remember writing that down. <laughs> I thought that is so good. Temporary joy never lasts but the, but the joy of being connected to Jesus, because Jesus is an infinite storehouse of strength, and his spirit is, is connecting us to him, lasts forever. Let's play a little game, okay? You like games? Yes. I'll say a commandment, <laughs> and you tell me if you get joy when you obey. Ready? Loving your neighbor. When you love your neighbor which is obedience, which is abiding, does that bring you joy? Yes, yes, even, even the kid, yes, absolutely. See, I told you the kids are great. The crayons are for the parents. <laughs> Let's turn it around. How about when you destroy your neighbor on social media? Does that bring you joy? No, no, absolutely not. When you serve, does serving, which is obedience, which is abiding, good, does that bring you joy? Yes, turn it around. When you don't serve, when you withhold the gifts and talents that God has given you, does that bring you joy? No. When you give, does your generosity produce joy? Every single time. Isn't that that remarkable how God sets that out? When we are generous, it brings us joy. Why do you think when we're generous, it brings us joy? Because it is an overflow, again, from what God has done for us. He's the most generous ever. He gave his only son. So when we respond in generosity, wow, it's obedient, it's abiding, and it brings us joy. Turn it around. When you withhold 
Does that produce joy? No. So how do we produce fruit? We obey. Obeying is abiding. And what do those things bring? What does, what does loving your neighbor bring? What does serving bring? What does being generous bring? It brings something. It brings something to others. It brings life to others. And that is the, the whole purpose of fruit, is to bring life to others. Do you know somebody in your life that brings life to you when you're with them? I have a friend like that. I've known him for 12 years. Every single encounter I've ever had with him, from the time he did our premarital counseling to moments ago when I saw him after the first gathering, he brings life to me. He's a fruit bearer. The evidence that you're abiding in Christ is that you're bearing fruit. You're bringing fruit to others. The goal of the Christian life is more than heaven. The goal of the Christian life is to bear fruit and multiply that in others. And if you stay connected to the vine, if you stay connected to Jesus, he's going to give you the spirit, the power to love others. I think that was an amen in child. I believe it was. But if your vine is anything other than Jesus, you will not have joy. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your spirit, your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Point here is, we should go and bear fruit. We should be fruit bearers. What is the fruit from Galatians? Love, peace, patience, kindness. What does that lead to? What, is the, what does all that love lead to? People. The fruit, the lasting fruit, the abiding fruit is people. Go and bear fruit sounds very much like go and make disciples, doesn't it? Because the fruit is not for us to consume. It doesn't end with us. Would have been a crime if that lady shared the gospel with me over the phone in 2006 and I kept it all to myself. No, that was a seed planted in me. And how do other things grow? from the seeds of the fruit of the tree before them. So the gospel is the seed that comes to us to go through us to others. Because the fruit God grows in us is not just for us. Fruitful trees nourish others. They, they bring life to others. They multiply with others. And that's where I want my life to be. That's where I want your life to be, multiplying in other people. And that's the vision of Revolution Church. Pastor Jason shared with me something on Thursday. He had met with a community leader, and the community leader talked about the impact that Revolution Church is having on our communities. 
And by Revolution Church, I don't mean these buildings. I don't mean 125 Union Hill Trail. I don't mean 689 North Main Street in Jasper. I mean y'all, the people watching right now in Jasper, in Canton, the people are making an impact in our communities. And I believe that was just such a powerful and tangible moment where God said to our pastor, who for the last 11 years and definitely for the last 11 months has cried tears over you because he loves you that much. He loves you so much. That was God saying to him, keep doing what you're doing. There is lasting fruit coming out of this church. Do not grow weary of doing good. For in the end, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. That moment was confirmation that if Revolution Church and its people disappeared tomorrow, this community would miss you. And that's why we have to abide. That's why we have to stay connected. That's why we have to keep reading our Bible. That's why we have to keep praying. That's why we have to keep fasting. Because of lasting fruit. A community leader said to Pastor Jason, you know what, you know what I see when Revolution Church people come to our building? It's a nonprofit organization. She said to him, Revolution Church people walk in the door and say, how can I serve? That's who we are. Servants' hearts so that other people can know Jesus. And I know it's hard. It's hard staying connected. It's hard staying in your small group. It's hard staying on your serving teams. But I cannot encourage you more to please do that. I was at a, a grocery store this week and the cashier was having a very bad day. I know she was having a bad day because she told me. And I, and I asked her, I said, how long do you have before your shift is over? She grumbled that she had a, another hour. And I got my stuff and I'm walking away and it was one of those moments where you know it's definitely the Holy Spirit saying, hey, turn around, say something encouraging. But the other part of me had stuff going on. <laughs> I had stuff to do. I don't wear a watch, but I do that. Um, <laughs> I turned around. She had already turned her back to me. And I said, hey, I know this is weird. Can I pray for you? She pulled down her mask, this big smile. She said, I would... I would appreciate if you did not pray for me. She pulled out her satanic pentagram pendant and showed it to me and said, I'm a pagan. And she turned her back. I was not expecting that. <laughs> you weren't expecting that. <laughs> And I half-heartedly, half-out-loud stammered something of a prayer and mumbled something else and, and walked out. And I, I was 
walking to my car and I was kind of in shock. But then I thought, we got work to do. We've got work to do, people. Jasper, we got work to do in Pickens County. We have work to do in Cherokee County. And I know we haven't been able to, to do everything that we've wanted to do. Maybe you have a heart for international missions and, and you weren't able to go to Kenya or go to the DR this past year. But God sent you here. He sent you to your neighborhood. He may have sent you to Woodmont. Maybe you're supposed to live on mission in Woodmont, or maybe he sent you to, to Bridge Mill or to Harmony on the Lakes, or in Pickens County, he sent you to Big Canoe or, or Bent Tree. Or if you don't live in one of those subdivisions and you've got extra money because you're not spending it on HOAs, maybe, maybe he sent you to use that to build up others. It's hard, but we've got work to do. And some churches consume their own fruit, but not the people of Revolution Church. So be encouraged by that. We should be the kind of people that have others feed off of us. We should be the kind of church, and we are committed to be the church that feeds food food to people and spiritual food to people. The fruit is the people, the lasting fruit, the abiding fruit of the gospel that comes to us, goes through us, to others. I was part of three funerals this week. Praise God, all three knew Jesus, and we rejoice with their families that they are with Jesus. But they weren't able to take any of their stuff with them. We can't take anything with us, but we can take someone with us. We can't take our possessions, but we can take people. Amen? And it's simple. We complicate it. We walk away when it's hard. Stay connected, but it's not something you have to strive for. It's something that the Holy Spirit will empower you to do. The Holy Spirit will empower you to stay connected to Jesus through praying, fasting, reading your Bible. But if Jesus isn't your vine, you can't bear the fruit we've been talking about. You may think you're bearing that fruit. I heard one pastor say, yeah, it's plastic fruit, duct taped to a dead tree. But if you want that lasting fruit that we're talking about, you need to be in relationship, connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we really look at these verses in chapter 15 and think in your infinite wisdom, you made it so simple to show us that you're the gardener, that Jesus is the vine, you tend to it, and we're the branches. And all we have to do is remain connected in order to bear fruit. Well, give us that power. Give us that 
spirit to remain, to abide in you. And for those who are not connected to the only vine that is the true source of life, for those like me for 45 years, tried to connect to every other source that wasn't satisfying, that wasn't lasting, that was not life-giving, we pray, Lord, that you would move in them right now. And if that's you, this is your opportunity because maybe you haven't tasted that fruit. Let me tell you something about that fruit. It's sweet. And the truth about fruit, the longer it's around, the sweeter it gets. You can pray this prayer knowing that everything that this says about Jesus is true. And it says if you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. So here's your opportunity right now. If you're at home or you're in one of our locations, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you that you have opened my eyes today to the need to be connected to the true vine. I am asking that you forgive me of my sins. I am confessing that Jesus is who he says he is, that you raised him from the dead, defeating death once and for all. I want that everlasting life. I want to abide in you and follow you. Will you save me? If that was you, you're going to have an opportunity, if you're watching online, to text something to us to let us know that you just trusted in Jesus, that you just became connected to the vine. And if you're in one of our locations right now, we're going to ask you to do something to let us know that this is the greatest day of your life. And that is simply to raise your hand. You're, you're raising your hand to grab on to the vine that you just connected to. Raise your hand, keep it up so that our prayer team can bring you a Bible. Thank you. That is amazing. Can bring you a Bible that is going to bring you forever sustenance. Just ask that you remain connected. For everyone else who has already trusted in Jesus as the vine, our prayer is simple. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't walk away. Do the hard things. Stay connected to the vine. Stay in relationship to Jesus. Abide in Jesus. He will bring you life. He will give you the power. He will give you the sustenance so that you can go nourish others. Father, we pray that we would be a people that would nourish others, provide life to others with actual food and the bread of life. We love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.